0: Good. Anybody else got a word? I don't I don't want to rush you. He is great. God is good. All the t- Amen. Amen. Justin's showing you a good example of being thankful, isn't he? Turn your Bible to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians, chapter two. We're going to look at verse one through five. And uh the the, the the thought in verses 1 to 5 is that we would be strong, that we would be strengthened, that we would be stable. And everything he said in chapter 1 is, is being referred to, that we would gain these truths and that it would have a, the effect of our life of making us stronger in the Lord and the power of his might. I want to read it to you, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 2. And it starts off with, with, with Paul's burden for the believers of Colossae and also Laodicea. So we see the pastor's heart here in verse 1. He said, For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you, for them at Laodicea, and for as many have, as not even seen my face in the flesh. That could include us, couldn't it? That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now, he, he's speaking to the Colossian people and to us, and he, he's given his heart, he's sharing this is I want you to be able to accomplish this. I want this to happen in your life. I want you to be protected. And the whole thing could revolve around verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. If you'll look, the first use of this concept is Eve in the garden, right? When she was beguiled, she was tricked. And, and notice he said that in, no one should beguile you with enticing words. Words. Words are important. What we hear. There's so many voices going on in the air today. There's so many, many trumpets sounding all around the world today. We need to hear the right voices. The voice of God, the voice of the Spirit of God. Now, the Colossians and the Laodicean group of people, these believers, many of them were shallow, shallow Christians. Now, they had a reason to be because they hadn't been saved very long. When you're first becoming a Christian, you're to desire the milk of the Word that you can grow up and become strong. Uh, But they they were saved, and they were excited about it. And it's good to be saved and be excited about it. their emotions were high. But when emotions are high, we listen to me, we tend often to live off the high and not get in grounded into the Word. We live off the experience, the high. Now it's good to be excited. Christians ought to be excited. We have every reason to be excited. Nothing's wrong with that. But there's a problem if we don't go deeper in our faith. Troubles arise and the necessity comes and God drives us to the depths of our faith. He does. If you'll think about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he prayed that that that, uh, thorn in the flesh would go away. God said, I'm not going to take the thorn away. I'm going to give you the grace. I'm going to give you something to help you tolerate it. We don't like that prayer answer, do we? We like that one that takes our problems away. But being excited is good. It's good to be saved and be excited about it. But being excited on the experience of being saved is like a sugar high. It may run out. And we need to get deeper in God's Word and deeper in the truths about Christ so that when the sugar high wears off, uh, we're still there. You know, when we're on the sugar high, we like those sugar sermons, But that's not the ones we need, do we? And so we, we've got to grow. We've got to get deeper. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about growing in their understanding and growing in their knowledge and and growing in wisdom. In the book of Ephesians, if, if you'll listen to verse uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 14, uh, let me see, I'm in 5. 14 he said henceforth that we would be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every uh, wind of doctrine and the slide of men the slide of men you ever went to the magic show and you know there's the slide of the magic show he says that we wouldn't be carried away with this with cunning craftiness whereby we lie right away to the sea a lot of christians they get deceived. They get tricked. And the only way to combat that is to go deeper in God's Word. It's great to have the joyful salvation experience, and, and we all need that, but we need knowledge and we need wisdom and we need understanding. And so the first thing he is emphasizing here is the need for us to be strengthened. To be strengthened. Look at verse 2 in our text. He says, he says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's talking about these things becoming a part of our life. He's talking about that our heart would be comforted, that we would be knit together together. In love, not separated out but brought together, knit together in love and that we would grow in full assurance and that we would be encouraged. He's talking about being strengthened in the faith. He wants us to understand the riches and he wants us to acknowledge the riches that we have in Christ. Do you realize that you are a rich person because you're saved? You are rich. You are rich. What we, have, what we have in the getting saved, the Holy Spirit, is the earnest of the rest of the story. We're going to get it all. We have the down payment. And he wants us to understand, so that we can be strengthened and stronger in our faith, that, that Jesus would be a part of us, not just something we're thinking about, not someone we're thankful for, but someone we live in our life. Paul, he talked about some important things in chapter 1. He talked about the importance of being instructed in the work. He emphasized the need of a good prayer life and that we need to be prayed for and we need to be praying for others. And and, and then he, he talked about in chapter 1 uh, about being involved and being a part. And he even mentions these things in verse 2, being knit together, being brought together, being loving together and living together. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, you do not need to live as an independent person separated from other Christians. We need to be bound together. We need to be knit together. We need to be walking together. We need to be living it out together. So he's talking about being with other Christians and loving other people, being apart. You know, here's the thing I think we could say that would would apply to you probably rather than just showing up and going your way you need to show up and get involved you need to show up and become a part now these things make us stronger they make us strengthened and then with, with and i said all those things that he mentioned about the importance of those things to say this he laced everything we just mentioned with truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. In our learning and our growing and our strengthening and our stabilizing, nothing is more important than just loving the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing who He is. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 15, it says, talking about Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Hey, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the image of the invisible God. He's the head of all things. Verse 16, he says, For by him all things were created. Jesus is the Savior, the Creator. And then he says, things visible and invisible, principalities and powers. And then he goes on to verse 17, and he said, And he is before all things, and he makes all things consist. Now, he's told us, all this growth we need to do, but he's wrapping it in, in these truths about Christ. And he says back up in verse thirteen, who was delivered, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. He's talking about God the Father that made us uh, saved us and made us a part of his family, the kingdom his of his dear son. Then verse 20, he says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, he It's intertwining all these truths. And then I say all this to say this in chapter 2, verse 2, on down in verse 5 rather, and through that portion, he says, and here is the mystery that this one who created the world, this one who died on the cross, lives in you. That's the mystery. And he lives in us through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So then we consider the importance of instruction, we need that. We consider the importance of prayer, we need it, we need to practice it. We consider the, the, the importance of uh, the importance of being in church with other Christians and being involved uh, and and then he says and let Jesus always be the sinner. Always growing in your understanding, growing in all these things, but growing in understanding Him. That's verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The mystery of chapter 1 that he talked about, the mystery is this, that this great God has chosen to live in you. Now, is that... Is that real to you? The God that made everything, controls everything, lives inside of you. Verse 27 says that. Now these Colossian Christians, they, you getting tired of hearing that? They were inspired by this truth and we need to be inspired by it too. That the Lord Jesus Christ lives in me. So here's a question I want to ask everybody here. This, this is it. How are you living this thing out? How are you doing? Are you living out this truth that, that Christ lives in you? I mean, when you get up and go tomorrow, is Christ living through you? Are you living in Him? Are you walking in Him? Hey, are you excited about that truth? Not just excited about the experience, but excited about who He is and where He is. Now, see, that should strengthen us. That should strengthen us. That should stabilize us, make us more stable. This is the truth that needs to be the center, that Christ is in you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever your practices are, the Lord Jesus Christ is there with you inside of you. That's a stabilizing truth. So, where I go tomorrow night, I take Jesus with me. He's in me. Does that not make a difference on where I go tomorrow night? So what I do the next day, Jesus is with me, He is in me, and that has an effect on me. I need to, I need to acknowledge this truth. That's what He said. I need to acknowledge this truth. That means to recognize it and live it out that Christ lives in me. So it, it brings it together, it, 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 the Christian life. If we realize the center of it all is that Jesus Christ lives in me. Now, y'all, y'all probably didn't hear about this man, but I heard about a man in, in, in Oklahoma. <coughs> a man lived in Oklahoma. He was in poverty. He lived, he lived in poverty. He had a wealthy neighbor that was an old man. And and man, his neighbor was wealthy and doing well, and he was living in poverty. And he came to find out that the oil was under his land. And he had rights to it. But the problem is, he was living in poverty when he was in actuality a wealthy man, but not living his wealth. I believe a lot of Christians, I believe, were that way we're struggling along, we're trying to make it, we're trying to do this, we're trying to stay in, we're trying to hang on to the end when we need to relax and trust Him that we have it all, that we have it all because we have Him. Now that truth should strengthen us. We should be strengthened by it. We should be helped by it. Uh, It should cause depth in our life. It should cause stability uh, in our life. It, It should transform us. It should change us, this knowledge of Christ, and we need to continue to grow in this knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is true. It is a position that we have in Christ that should help us understand that we're wealthy. It should help us to love other people and help other people and encourage other people. Now then, the last thing we see in this text that I want to bring our attention to is what Paul's fear was. His fear, his his concern was in verse 4. And this I say. I say all this. Lest any of you should be beguiled Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Lest any would use trickery words and enticing words and deceive you and cheat you out of God's best. Paul said, I don't want you to be cheated. I don't I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to fall. To deception. And there's the great danger of deception. Life can get in disarray. It does. Our mind can be dismayed if we're not careful. We need to remember these truths that Christ lives in me. And we need to grow and be strengthened by the truths of God's Word that Jesus is in it all and through it all and we need to grow in instruction. We need to do all those other things. We need to develop that prayer life. But we need to remember that He is with us always and forever. He is warning us. He wants us to be protected from being turned out of the way. You know, Christians don't just wake up one day and say, you know, I'm... I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to quit. We're turned out of the way. Things happen. We can't do anything about them. We, can't change. We, don't, we don't see any hope. And we're just turned out of the way. What happens to the sheep? The sheep that goes astray. I mean, he, he doesn't intend to go astray that day. He just grazes his way through there, and he finds himself lost. So Paul says, I want you to be protected. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be beguiled. You know, there's a little voice that speaks in our ear that we need to be careful that we don't listen to. Poor old pitiful me. You know, you don't have any friends. They don't love you there. We've heard these things, haven't we? Beguiled. He said, and this I say lest any man would beguile you or entice you. There's two references I want to just mention in Timothy, and then I'll be done. Second Timothy chapter four, verse four, he says he says this uh, lest they turn their ears from the truth. Lest they turn their ears from the truth. It happens every day. The people turn. They they get out of church. They get away from walking with God. How often does it happen? And then they get to where they enjoy that. I guess. They're turned away. And then there's another reference I won't give you and then we'll, we'll close. 2 Timothy 4.3. He says, Be careful that you don't have itching ears. Itching ears. Always seeking something more that is not more. It's a detour away from truth. Over in Ephesians, I'll remind you of what he said in Ephesians. In chapter 4, verse 14. He warns us to be careful. To be careful. That we be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the sleight of men, cunning craftiness, wherein they lie in wait to deceive us. So here's this Our goal as a Christian is to be strengthened, to be settled, to be strong in the Lord. It's great to be excited. It's great to enjoy the experience of being saved, but we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that our heart would be strengthened in Christ, that joy can continue, that order would be a part of our life, that steadfastness would be a part of our life. As a believer. And that's what he says in verse 5. That you would grow to the place where there would be order in your life and steadfastness in the life. Let me let me go back to where we introduced. Remember I told you it's good to be excited about the Lord and, and enjoy the experience of knowing the Lord. But you know what? Sometimes that's the only escape we have from the reality of what's really going on in our life. And it's good to have that escape, but when we leave that joyful worship, we have to go back to that same old pit that we're in. Paul said, I want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. I want you to grow in your understanding of Christ. I want you to have all these thing, things going on in your life, but I want you to have joy because there is, number one, order in your life. How many of you lie, how many women like to go in your kitchen and cook around a bunch of dirty dishes. Do you do that or what do you do? What do you ladies do when you go in your kitchen and your kitchen, someone's been in your kitchen and you've been out of... and it happens, it happens, and, and you go in there and dishes are everywhere. Maybe your husband fixed some, right? And, and there's dishes everywhere and nothing's in its place. Are you frustrated? You're frustrated. I can give you male examples of the same experience. But here it is, in the Christian life, man, it's good to have joy. It's good to have excitement. It's good to enjoy worship. But man, there's got to be order in our life if we're going to continue. That's what he says in verse 5, that there may be joy because of order. And then the second word he uses is that there might be steadfastness. I tell you what. Faithfulness. It's required in stewardship. In stewardship. It's required. Steadfastness. It's not a good word. Steadfastness. The ability to be steady. And just go. Moving on. Some of you may feel like, well, you know what, preacher, I'm not having that big experience of, 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 of excitement. But there's, there's order in my life. There's steadfastness in, in my life. Seem seems like everything's steady flow. I guarantee you those of us who have the excitement would trade the excitement for the order and steadfastness because there's joy that can come from that. When your life is in disarray, when your mind is in dismay, Joy is just an escape. But when we grow in our relationship with Christ, when we grow in our understanding of the mystery of Christ living in us, the Creator, the the one that makes all things consist, when we grow in our comprehension of God's truth, it brings order and steadiness. And you know what? There's great joy that comes from that. So... I just want to challenge you today to get into the Word and let Christ be the center of it. Don't make any truth more important than Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the center. And let that be lived out in our life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want our musicians to come. Our goal is for that strengthening of the heart that order to come to our life, that steadiness in us as believers. And we can be excited about who we are in Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word, and Lord, help us to get into your word and grow in your word. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to the hearts as you have, and Lord, lead us to make the decisions that you would have us to make today. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's all stand for a moment and sing. If you have any need today, I want to invite you to come. Maybe to pray or maybe to make a decision. I want you to come. (coughs) Let's sing it out. Anyone today need to be saved? You need to be saved. You come. Shed for me that Thou bidst me come. Of God I come. Let's do one more verse. You need to come for any reason. <clears throat> Do it, my soul of wonder. come as I am. come